Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Christine Rogers, President and COO of Aspireship. Christine has had an amazing career in both sales and sales leadership with an emphasis in developing sales leaders that create head-turning impact. Now, her, her firm, Aspireship, helps fuel career development for people in the SaaS sales world. She's a great person to know. And as a result, she's on the front line and has a very unique perspective on why sales leaders win and also why they don't. Now, I've been following Christine's content for a long time now. Some of her recent perspectives around the challenges sales leaders face have just had me almost immediately reaching out and scheduling her for the show as fast as I could because I found her perspective and her point of view so insightful. I love Christine's insight. I'm inspired by her passion. I am excited for the topic that we've agreed we're going to talk about today. And I just can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this week's show and how excited I am to dive in with her. Christine. Welcome to our show, and thanks so much for joining me. Rob, what an intro. <laughs> that is probably the first time I've heard all that in one breath. You did great. You did great. I'm so <laughs> pumped to be here. This is going to be a good time. I, I'm excited to have you. I am uh, I, I know our listeners are going to find our topic today really good. I, I'm, I'm so impressed by the work you're doing, and I can't wait to have you share a little bit more of it with our, our listeners. In fact, why don't we start with that? Why don't you start by telling us about Aspireship and what you do for your customers? Sure. So, um, gosh, you know, I've spent the last 10 years enabling, preparing, training, and also leading sales organizations, high growth sales organizations in SaaS. So um, when the CEO of our company, Corey Kosick, he and I worked together in our last company prior to this. And he said, Christine, I feel like I'm seeing something that's happening all the time. It's systemic. You can't find the right people to carry the quota. Your teams are always having to overperform to, ha- to get to the revenue targets, to get to the new ca- customer acquisition numbers. He said, is this, does this happen all the time? I said, yeah. So he said, if you could create something where you could help actually create people that didn't have experience, but had the knowledge, the the ability, the capability, and give them some foundational coursework. And then they could come in and and we could convince and see if other sales leaders felt the same way as you. Like if they have certain competencies and can show that they can do it and also the right characteristics that they make great sales hires. They don't have to have bullet points that are perfect or experience that's perfect. What would it look like? And Mm. that began our um, journey in creating 
our course that is free to candidates. So we just have it really open and wide at the top and say, you know, everybody come in. And wow. if you can do this work, if you can show that you are capable to do this work, then we will introduce you to companies that care less about your bullet points on your resume and your experience and more about your attitude and aptitude. What a unique approach. I mean, I've been in this game for a long time, probably longer than I should admit. Um, and <laughs> I haven't heard someone take that approach. I mean, it must be refreshing to the people that get introduced to you to see <clears throat> that kind of an approach. Has that been a kind of a fun angle to take with members of the SaaS sales community? It has because sales leaders, we all know that this is a problem. We always know we're trying to figure out where do I go get other talent? Where do I go find them? Do I get like new grads? Do I get, you know, what am I looking for? Do I need people that have had experience? We're always trying to crack that nut. So if before um, I even introduce them to a sales leader, I can make sure that I would hire them because they're actually showing that they can do the work through our product. We're making them really uncomfortable. They have to do role plays. They have to watch themselves and then hear how it should have sounded. And then they have to be assessed. And so it's a really um, interesting thing. They have a certain time to complete it. Um, and so we, we kind of test them on that determination, that grit. Can they get through it? Can they learn something new? Can they learn the technology? It's nothing they've done before. So these are all things that I think sales leaders um, you know, you, you and I both know if you can't pick up technology pretty quick in a SaaS company, you're gonna have a hard time. So there's yes. a couple of things that this coursework tests, but beyond just, you know, sales skills, but also, you know, things like how do you engage with senior leadership? How about in an all hand sales meeting? Don't talk to me about your raise your hand. Talk to me about your commission check. That's not the place for it, you know? So really, you know, things like that, where it's both those soft skills and hard skills. And it's fascinating. It's just been, it's been a joy. I've just loved this experience and um, the, the sales community and sales leadership. And this is my, these are my people and yes. they get, for the most part, they get behind this. They are like, yes, I will give people a chance. I will give people a chance. We all love that story. You know, we just love it. It's true, man. If there's one thing I've learned in the last year and a half, <clears throat> it's been a lot more love and forgiveness and giving people a chance and a lot yep. less judgment yeah. in the world, such a better place. So thank you for that background. And, but I, what I'm also really excited to learn about, because you've got this point of view because of what you do that I just can't wait to dive into. But I start almost every show with this, Christine. How, how did you get started in sales? I, I've met very few people that said I'm growing up planning on being in sales. Uh, every now and then I meet one. I'm trying hard to to solve that problem with some of my kids, but um, how'd you get drawn to sales and how did that end up leading you to where you are today? Sure. So sales, uh, it's just been my whole career. Truly. I wasn't hmm. something I thought I was going to go to law school. So I got, you know, Me too, actually. Me too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, that's what I was initially thinking about going through college and started working at a insurance district office. And then at that point they needed help, you know, training new insurance agents. And I just kind of had a knack for it. You know, it started making sense. And, um, I spent quite a few years, both selling insurance and, um, and also training others for it. And then from then, uh, took the leap into entrepreneurship and, um, joined a, a retail store. So what my business partner had a retail store and it was specifically for baby furniture, kids furniture. And that's really where I started learning about sales process. Mm. You know, if you're the first time they walk in, they find out they're pregnant. They're looking at the crib. The second time, pretty soon I knew by the third time, 
if grandma's there, we're buying the crib. And then the fourth time dad's coming and, and I got to, with dad, we're talking about what wood and how solid is it? And he's trying to break the crib and asking me the questions, but very different. And so I really started understanding sales process through that very consumer and emotional, imagine very emotional experience. Um, that unfortunately kind of came right at when everything went south, you know, in 2008, kind of 10 right. area and right. had to close that was devastated. But because of my small business experience moved into, um, software selling. And so started as an individual contributor at a company called Infusionsoft, which is now called keep. And I moved through, um, much of that. So started as an individual contributor, then became, you know, essentially created in the first enablement team and then carried the quota. Uh, for that company and then moved into a uh, booker and was the VP of sales there after quite a few years and we were acquired by MindBody. So I've had kind of, you know, I've spent the last 10 years in software selling through a really interesting organic type of progression. Well, I appreciate you sharing it. So you, you've been in the game. I love our listeners to just get a sense of who they're, who they're listening to when we get started. So, so thanks. I mean, you're doing something that's, just different than anybody I've, I've met before. I, I just can't get wait to dive into. Let's let's get diving in right now. Um, time's going to go fast because I know this is going to be a topic that we get into a lot of other conversations on. And I want to start with some of the recent reports. And for our listeners, um, we got thousands of listeners that are listening to us right now, uh, Christine. Right now, burnout is starting to happen. We've had so many things happen in the last year. This is the at the time of recording. We're recording this early in March. It's the one-year anniversary of when government started having COVID mandates and requiring masks and people started working from home. I remember I was running a soft, my, my software company, Exvoyant, and I had to make the decision how, you know, when do I tell everybody they work from home? Mm-hmm. And that had caused everybody to like rethink, how do I work? And now a year later, burnout's showing up in different ways. And we're mm-hmm. reading lots of reports on it. And, um, and, and when one of the things that I love about you with your approach to sales leadership is this concept of energized workforces with energized leaders. And I want to start talking about that. How, how important is energy to a sales team? Let's start with that. How important is energy? Why is it important? And why is it something that you focus on? I think it's extremely important. So I, you know, back when, when we were in the office more often than we are now, um, I know that when I would walk through and probably other sales leaders can feel this exact same feeling when I would walk through my team and it was quiet, I immediately got nervous. The energy was dead. You know, when it was stillness, I'm like, ah, I know the numbers aren't good today. I already know that because there's no energy and And it's amazing because um, you can feel like if you're, you can feel it, you know, you also can tell from across the room when somebody is closing a deal, I can see it. I don't even have to be listening to that call. I can see, I can sense, I can feel the energy. And I think it's something that we probably, we probably just know very often. And I just started to notice it, you know, through my career, I started, wow, this is something that is really important that I am noticing when the energy is down, that I'm noticing my own energy, that when we're hiring people, I am thinking about their energy and are they going to be energized by this work? So how can I create environments? How can I create hiring processes that allow them that emulate this experience so that they 
can see how it feels if they are energized by this. And I can experience their energy through it. And that has been one of those things that I feel like is kind of a little bit of a secret sauce when you're trying to figure out, like, I got to let them feel this to see if they're energized by this work. Because you and I, we talked a little bit about this concept of drain when you're adapting. And I remember not too long, it was a few years ago, I took, um, I took a, an assessment and it was kind of a version of the disc, but different, different, you know, pieces of it. I we've all taken those assessments, those disc assessments and things, but what it also talked about is your natural state versus your adaptive state. So how you think you're supposed to be in this specific mm. role. And that if you are consistently moderating your behavior or your natural way of being your drain is going to be higher. And that will cause, it's like at the end of the day, when you go home and you've been doing stuff that absolutely drains you all day long and is not energizing, you're worn out or you're frustrated. So it's, it's really about paying attention to that level and also acknowledging that that is very present for your team and the people that you're leading as well. So I want to, I want to dive into this energy thing just a little bit more because what I don't want is people to think that energy necessarily means um, being a rah-rah or being a cheerleader or being over the top. Like, you know, um, we talked about a person already before we got started, like one of our last guests, my guy, Larry Long, he, he Mm -hmm. might have the most natural energy of anybody I've ever met in my life. I know. And incredible, incredible, but it's authentic to who he is, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. authentic to who he is. I mean, when we're talking about energy, what's the role? I mean, are we talking about that the sales leaders have to be the energizer bunny or is that different than that? So I actually am, am not that person that like can jump on a chair and, um, and be like, okay, here's what we're doing. You know, even most are that way, by the way, I think that's most, that's why I want to talk about this. Yes. Oh, I think that's a great point because in fact, (laughs) I'll share with you something. I don't even think I've ever shared publicly before, but, um, when I was in the enablement role and, um, I had at that time, you know, our CRO was saying, Christine, I want you to take over the direct sales floor. And I kept saying, I don't know. I don't think it's for me. And he's like, what I need is more process and this and that. And I actually had another leader in the organization that is very raw, raw, naturally, very Mm -hmm. amazing at this type of kind of what I would say, it was almost like motivational speaking. And it was authentically him. Let me be clear. Like that was not him putting on anything. And in this meeting, he said, what do you all think about Christine becoming the direct sales leader? And it was, there were about four of us, four others besides me. I mean, immediate, can you imagine? I'm just like, oh, this is awkward, right? Yeah. And you know what? That other gentleman, he said, I don't think it's a good idea. He said, Christine does not inspire me. She does not inspire. And I was I can I mean, I was like sitting there devastated, right? You know, I'm, and I right away, it was super awkward. And the CRO said, we're going to take a little break. And I hit the bathroom because I was like, Whoa, I need a minute. Like, I am like, I need a minute. And oh thankfully, it, can you imagine? Thankfully, another leader, she came in right behind me and she said, wait a minute. I want you to know you inspire me every day. People are not necessarily inspired by the same thing. They are not motivated by the same thing. I've never been motivated by somebody that can get on stage and, and do a jumping around to a song and getting everybody amped up. That's not my style. And she said, and your people are motivated. So she kind of like, don't do that. This just because, and it was fascinating because what I learned through that 
is not to be, not to be something I'm not, because that never would have been me, right? I'm not the stand on the chair and get everybody going, but I do know how to talk with people. I do know how to understand what they are into and I care deeply. And for that, people follow me. And I think that there is, there are distinct differences here where I'm not necessarily that rah-rah. I mean, you're getting me, I'm a passionate person and yeah. I can be pretty fiery. Like, so like, yeah. don't, don't mistake that. I'm not. However, however, it's not, it doesn't all have to look the same. And we, I just, I just love that about this concept because I have met the most quiet individuals. I just have this energy that is exuding from them. And I am inspired by that. So I think it, it doesn't have to be cookie cutter, cookie cutter at all. So the, one of the reasons I love the name of your company, Aspireship, yeah. is I believe that the role of a leader is to connect to what people aspire to and help them get there. Yeah. That, that salespeople work with sales leaders because they want specific outcomes in their lives and in their careers. And as sales leaders, our role, if it's not the primary role, you're gonna have, you can argue with me on it, but I'm going to always argue primary role is to help people become you know, their very best, have their life-changing years and achieve things that matter to them. And, and the great leaders are good at aligning what the individual aspires to with what the company mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. Great leaders do that, right? You're right. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think you start having energy happen. And every leader is going to have a different way of doing it. But I'm so glad you shared that story because I think more people will relate to your story than you even think possible, Christine. Well, I hope so, because that was that was a moment for me. I'm going to tell you, you know, that was one of those things that it caused a little bit of scar tissue and I had to work through it because six months later I did take it over. And, you know, that was that feeling like, is this right? Should I be doing this? Because one person said no. A lot of other people said yes, but one person said no. And that really made me question it. Truly. Yeah. So I, so that's why I love you share that story this early in our conversation, because I agree with your perspective. I agree with your point of view. I love you have this really strong point of view that energy is a critical component, but energy doesn't have to be someone with pom-poms, right? Mm -mm. It doesn't, I mean, it's cool if you want to do that. What I think energy comes from is tapping into what fuels each individual. I think it's an individual thing more than a collective thing. I would love to explore that with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the role of individual versus collective? Because I I know you have to have both Mm -hmm. and the sum of the parts are what creates culture and climate and all those things. But what's the role of a leader in, I don't care where you start, because I love your perspective in either hiring people that have energy or making sure that we continue to have a team that has that energy rather than just depleting it. So I think the first part as a leader is number one, we need to be understanding what gives us energy. So I think that that's a really important thing. So I did kind of an audit for myself when I started thinking about this and I started with my calendar and I literally would get done every meeting and think now, um, if my, if I'm at zero, am I drained from this conversation or this time that I was spent doing this work with this person, et cetera, or am I energized by it? And I started realizing I had some thematic things that were going on for me um, that were really great. You know, so my times when I was doing uh, coaching and teaching with my managers or leaders or other people, when I was doing um actually process when we were highlighting different processes and running through, this is how this needs to work for everybody. I could see that 
you know, my gauge was like, I was getting a little, I was like, yeah, that feels good. I also was noting that when certain specific types of activities that I was doing were draining for me, I noted those as well. So like as a leader, I started paying, I did a, a little bit of a self audit there to say like, Ooh, that was rough. Why am I feeling a little depleted right now? And hmm. so it helped me start to gauge. And then I took that and I, and I encouraged my leaders to do the same thing because we can collectively co-create something that's more workable in a group, meaning, yeah, you know what? These three things are not for, <laughs> I don't like doing. Yeah. I can do them. And that's that conversation around adapting. God, we are so able to do many things. However, we can only adapt for so long before it starts to really wear on us. So if I have a job, for instance, that is not, that I'm not on, not saying that we're always going to love every part about the day, right? But that the main focus of our job my main job functionality is me adapting. I'm probably not going to be that great at it long-term. And I'm also not going to want to stick with it long-term because I'm, it's not even natural. It's not my natural way of being. So I think when I think about, you know, I think about myself first, then I go to the next layer and say like, how can I make sure you all are in a place where you understand it? And as leaders, how can we create you know, Hey, if Ben is really good at this, I'm going to have him do this. If Caitlin is better at this and she also loves doing it, let's all kind of come to her for that. And so we started co-creating things that work together so that we're, we're all doing a little bit more of what we love and a little less of what we don't. And then also bringing it into the hiring process to then when we start scaling teams, really allowing people to feel the job, the work, so that as they're going through the hiring process, they can either self-select out or enthusiastically be excited about this work because it's really working for them. So I have like three places. You just gave me three avenues <laughs> in this choose your own adventure that I want to go down okay. without, without running too long because I'm burning up my notebook once again. Um, I think I want to start on this con. I've written down three words. The words I want to start with first are how find out how a job feels. I love that concept. Mm -hmm. Can you spend a little bit more time for, because we've got all these sales leaders listening to you that are building teams always. I mean, recruiting is always a key role for any sales leader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do that? Because all of us had opportunities where, we thought for sure we had the right person and we get them in and it's horrible fail. Mm-hmm. And, um, or maybe someone that you're interviewing, they sent their representative in like their, their best representative of who they thought they needed to be. And the real person was really never inside the building until mm-hmm. we hired them. Yeah. How, how do you get this opportunity to let people really know what it feels like? I mean, I've screwed that up before. I'm sure every single person that listens to the show has screwed it up once or twice mm-hmm. before. Well, number one, I, I think um, it's really, it's, be, it's allowing yourself to be a little bit creative. So I'll give you a couple of different examples because awesome. I think, I think um, it, we always kind of go like, okay, if I'm hiring a sales rep, well, of course we're going to do role plays and things like that. But one of the things that I always did, and I still tell leaders that we're working with to do is um, I have a very streamlined, you know, timed out role play that I want my manager or someone else to do. And then what we would do is we would have another manager on the line, kind of manning the ship kind of a thing. They would stop it at a specific point. We only had five pieces of feedback that we would give them. 
So that person would give the feedback and it was again, only, only five. So we always gave the same pieces of feedback, you know, so we didn't modulate too much. We tried to make it as consistent as possible. And then we gave that coaching and said, hang up and call back in three minutes and we're going to do it again. And usually the second time they did worse on other parts, but really it was about saying, can you, first of all, they didn't know that was going to happen. We told them the role play was 30 minutes long. We're going to do a little coaching. And then, you know, so they don't really know how this was going to go. That was a very good way for me to test one of the most important characteristics I was looking for. It was coachability. And can you move quickly when we're giving you that? Because I've worked in a very transactional environment and they are going to get call coaching and they are going to need to make the shift very quickly. Can they do it? And Mm. even if I would not ding them on the things that maybe I said, you need to ask better questions or you just info dumped, you know, or something like that. Even if they didn't do as great of a job at the beginning on the report, but they did it the first time, I wanted to see that specific thing. So that's one cool. instance of like through sales, um, you know, through the, the process, we would let them feel that. Now, I also hired for other roles, enablement roles. I had, I hired for lots of different roles. One that I really liked that we did that worked very, very well for us was a sales trainer. And when we got to the final rounds, I asked my leadership team to come in and I had told, you know, we're going to do a three minute training on whatever you want. So I had the trainers come in. They knew they were coming in. This was kind of their final presentation. And I had one manager that was going to be talking the whole time. I had another manager that was going to be messing with his phone. And I naturally wanted to see what this trainer would do. You know, I said, you know, essentially we need to be, um, you need to train us on something that you're familiar with. I need you to work on showing me how you can, you know, maintain order in a room, et cetera, all these things. I had people that did not even address or do anything, you know, with those disruptions and those different things. I also, the one that we hired, walked right up to the guy who was on his phone and just started talking directly to him. It just like he would have done that, you know, to show, hey, buddy, we're like in the middle of something here and you're not paying attention. And it was so clear that he had exactly what I was looking for in the ability to have that command presence without being like a douchebag, like just, just (laughs) like not being a total jerk. Right. Yeah. 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 And and it was like allowing him. And afterwards we would ask, how did that feel? And, and he was like, Oh, that was great. That's exactly what I love because salespeople, Mm. we know how it is when you're in a training, some of you're paying attention, some of you're not, you know, all those different things. So how can you do that? So there's lots of ways if we're creative enough to think, what is this job? And can we create an environment where we can test for that? I like that. Yeah. Super. Thanks. That's really insightful. That was a really good suggestion. Now I want to go to the, another word that you said that I wrote down because okay. I, this, this is a good word. I like this word. I've, I haven't heard it used very often and you've used it three times on this, this conversation already. Okay. And the word is co-create. Mm. What's the role of co-creation and helping creating and keeping and fueling an energized workplace? Mm, the, re- the reason I use co-create more than collaborate, I think, is because it it kind of lets everybody know that we're all in the mode of of actually doing something and thinking outside the box. So nice. when I think about, like um, I, I do use that quite a bit because I want to immediately say, like, I don't want you to just bring all the ideas that you've done before. Let's just mix something up together. We got a lot of ingredients on this table and we can probably make a lot of different types of foods. Like, but to, together, 
let's figure out what this is going to look like, make something that maybe hasn't ever worked before. So I, I think I, I didn't know I used it so many times already. In this. No, I love it. It's, it's a, the reason is it's a word that I really like and I don't hear it very often. Mm-hmm. And so like, as I was listening to you and I was taking notes on what you're saying, one of my, my, my immediate thoughts, Christine was, I think probably weaker leaders want to put themselves on a pedestal and dictate what needs to be done. I'm thinking of one of the leaders that I coach right now. And this person is still like relentlessly tied to his arbitrary certain activity level number. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I I've never been able to get him to tell me where that number came from or how he modifies it for differing skill levels for people. It's just, just one of my Mm non-negotiables. And so when you dictate terms, you might get compliance, but I like it when you do what you say, we start, collaborating or co-creating let's create your own well-lit path to success right and let's let you be part of the architect and where that goes and i i just think that that's such a great way to have people people say it gives you buy-in yeah it does give you buy-in but i think energy is way different than buy-in i think having someone say yeah i'll do it i see why i need to do it is way different than oh my gosh we just created something that's going to work specifically for me i can't be the first person to try and make this thing go i mean that's why i love that word so much as i listen to you am i interpreting that right am i am i picking that up the right way do you have any other comments around that well and i think it allows for the space to be wrong as well oh i <laughs> so like it so when we create things it's it might turn out to be something else. I mean, maybe the souffle turned into a quiche. I don't know. Like, you know, when I think about it, kind of the same ingredients, the same thing, but man, I didn't know what that was going to turn out like. And so it allows from my perspective and like in the, the way that I interpret that language and want it, want it to be received is that there's a little space for mystery and imagination and also some space for, um, I don't need it super concrete when we're in just in this zone. Right. And so it, it allows it to feel a little lighter, I think for me, and also, um, it's malleable. Yeah. I I really like that. And I I think that approach of, of taking an approach of co-creation, I, I got my 21 laws of sales leadership and, and law three is one of my favorites, Christine, it's leaders on pedestals make easy targets. (laughs) And, um, and when we are the know-it-all, mm. it, people actually sometimes want you to be wrong. Mm. Oh, I think most times want you to be wrong. Nobody right? likes a know-it-all. It, right? No, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those of us that are pretty passionate and have a lot of opinions, um, that, yeah. happens, that happens pretty regularly where you have to kind of check yourself. And so I always say, get off the pedestal, get off the pedestal. Let's put your team members on that pedestal. And, mm-hmm. and I think the concept of co-creation takes you off the pedestal and, and, and elevates those around you. And, and mm-hmm. I like that. I've never thought of it as a source of energizing though. I just always thought of it as a good leadership principle. I really like it as a source of energy for mm-hmm. an individual or a team. Let's talk about people with bad energy. I mean, how, mm-hmm. what do you do about when you have a, a member of the team with bad energy? Um, cause you're trying to create a team that's fueled by this internal energy. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I know that if you get a bad energy that can affect people in a pretty negative way, more than just the one rep, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you I do? Mean, that, yeah. So I think if we're all being honest, most leaders, when we hire new people, um, we have less tolerance for somebody that is not, um, 
is not working with us and kind of in, in showing us that they are emulating the, the principles or the characteristics of, of what we've decided as the company is the most important. And I think we're less tolerant. Um, I can tell you most of the time when I, you know, a, a rep would be a few months in and they were struggling to gather the principles or to be able to, um, you know, put it together and get to do a great discovery call. I would be a lot more lenient because they were trying if they were emulating and showing me those characteristics and traits that really they were really working with our, our culture, right? If you have somebody that is sticking out and being toxic and being negative and, um, you know, back talking, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes, gossiping, causing all of those things, that is a real good way to get most sales leaders where they're starting to really look at their numbers and start to say like, "Mm," you know, because they're starting to be a, a problem because that is leaky. I mean, whatever energy we've got, it leaks out. You know, if I come in here to my office and I have, I've had an ir- irritating morning and all of these things, you know, it's not going to be but five minutes before my energy just leaks out all over the place. And it, people feel it. They're asking us, what's wrong? You know, the, the, you know, people feel it, whether we want, you know, this is, I had somebody one time tell me that this whole concept is really woo woo and like over the top. And it's like, it, okay, well, we all know it. You know, when you walk into a room, like what just happened before I walked in here, yeah. something happened because everybody's on pins and needles right now. You, nobody right. said a word, you know, and, and we all know it. So it's just one of those things that I think bringing it to this conversation, I am a big fan of addressing it quickly. So when I would see somebody, even in training, um, I remember a very specific time we had a rep that was consistently interrupting anybody that was facilitating training, including top performers that were going in and facilitating. And I asked this individual to stay after, and I use words that are less attacking, like I've observed a few things. So I'm kind of coming from a place of observation, a couple of notable things. And in these instances, like, I want to tell you why that's not going to work. You can absolutely have an opinion, but you, um, you know, basically humiliating and interrupting and doing these things. This is how it's being received. So I'm a big fan of not allowing that to go on at all. I have that conversation immediately. And, and then I say, you know, I expect to see an immediate change. That's going to look like this. And I also think you owe some people an apology. So I'm going to let you go ahead and sit with that and, you know, doing these things. So I'm very direct, but in a, I try to use language that is not attacking and also letting them know that it's not going to work. So I'm a big fan of working, not working. Like it's just not working. That's not how we do it here. You're not wrong. You're not right. I'm not right. You're not wrong. All of these things. It's just not working for us. So, um, those types of of things, I hit it pretty quickly. I hit it. If I see some behavior I don't like, then I see it again. You're going to hear, you're going to get that talk immediately. Cause I don't want there to be confusion. And, and there, you might have to detox a little from somewhere you've been before. That's all right. We got to do it quick. So I like that. I mean, that's another one. I I see one of the common leadership mistake that I think everyone has made. I know I've made it Mm. is Sometimes we wait too long before we address things. Yes. And if it's something that's as powerful as energy, because it's like you said, it, it leaks. And you just mm. give me another word that we're going to dive into here in a second that I wrote down that I can't wait to dive into. <laughs> um, I, that's why I, people love our show is because we never know exactly where it's going to go. Um, I think that you're right. It is contagious. It does leak. 
We got to be sure that we're careful about what we allow to persist inside the organization. And I haven't met anyone that's told me that they were really glad that they held on a little longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know sometimes people might be having a bad day. Sometimes people might be, you know, dealing with rough things in their lives and stuff like that. Sure. We've got to be sensitive to that, especially now. Mm-hmm. But I haven't ever met someone who's like, man, I just wish I'd held on just a little longer before I put an end to that. Right. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. No, I think that is so right. And, and I have actually had people who I've had this conversation with, um, I've actually had them come back and say like, why didn't you guys tell me this earlier? Like, I didn't know that that was being offensive. This Beautiful. is just like how I do that. I didn't know because, you know, um, I also believe that it's not for necessarily our managers to have this conversation. The reason why I had it is because it signaled to them. It's that important. So I have heard that the way you actually treated the receptionist this morning was rude. And I want you to know that me as the leader of this department, that doesn't work for us. And that here it's big enough for me to have this conversation with you. So I think that that also kind of messages the level of severity and how it will or won't be allowed. Mm. Christine, I can't believe it. I only have 10 minutes left with you. (laughs) So we have 10 minutes left and now I'm up to like four things that I still want to address. So we're going to start checking some of these things off. Okay. Okay. Um, One of the first ones that I want to hit is you talked about people calling energy, this kind of woohoo thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm really glad you did because, I think that energy and intent and mindset is where everything starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts around how you can maybe have people that might think that that are listening understand why that's not? Well, I think it's, I will say this, people that are, are self-aware have done the work to be kind of what I would call better observers of yourself. So um, one of my favorite authors, his name is Chalmers Brothers, he talks about us being human becoming. Ah. And I love that because it is about, you know, sometimes you need that, like someone to hold the mirror up for you or someone to do different things. And, and I know that even years ago, when I first began kind of in this leadership journey, I kind of ran a little hotter and I had someone give me feedback and I am grateful. It was somebody I didn't even like at the time. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) he literally said, could we go to lunch? And I was like, uh, no, I mean, cause I did <laughs> not got go better plans than you. Yeah. I, wanna, <laughs> I, I finally said, yes, you know what we can. And he said, can I give you feedback? I, and I said, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. And he gave me the like really good feedback and it was extremely uncomfortable and very painful, but wow. I will tell you this as I started doing more work on myself. And I think probably those of us that are in this journey, this, (laughs) which I hope we all are, but some are more open to it than others. I think we start to see that these concepts that might feel a little bit woo woo and also feel, you know, here's like logic and reason. There's so much of this that gets mixed in together. And if we just allow ourselves the openness to go like, Hmm, that made me feel weird. That made me feel uncomfortable. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that and take a look at it, you start to realize that it is very logical. The the way, the reason you walk into a room and feel strange is because there's some weird energy going on. Mm. Something happened. There's nothing else, you know, you're you're reading somebody's body language. You're reading other Mm. things. We're picking up intuitively a lot of signals. So it's, I mean, there's a bunch of science around this. You can believe it or not, 
But um, I think those that are a little more open to it will have more success in a lot of these conversations and those that are pretty closed. That tees up the very next one that I wanted. And this might be the last one before we do our rapid fire because I don't want to shortchange this one. We okay. may have to have you come back in another six months and take my other questions. For you. <laughs> okay. um, you're awesome, Christine. I've enjoyed this even more than I thought. You're, you're fantastic. Um, what's the role of coaching in this creation and management of energy? I think that that's something that people don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that maybe if it is, it's lip service. Um, can a leader use the coaching as an opportunity to really help develop better and more energy? Or is that something that you should stay away from? No, I think absolutely. I mean, even getting people to take an audit of themselves, like, you know, you're really, you're, um, you're really, it seems like you're really struggling, even when the numbers aren't there, when stuff's going on, like what we're trying to figure out is, um, is what is going to make them most fulfilled? Like, where, like, is this work going to be fulfilling for them? Um, is, is this just a means to an end? Is there motivation? I think all of it comes around really tapping in and helping them understand themselves better. If we can help people get there where they are understanding themselves better and the things that they are doing or not doing that are, that are causal in the way that they're feeling or, you know, in their, their feeling of kind of their journey or purpose or whatever we want to call it. Like most times people aren't just thinking those things. So it is our job as leaders to say, all right, you and I are going to have a weird conversation today. And it's going to sound like we got to figure out what's going on with you. And if you're open to that, I would love to be able to help. Like, and if, and most of the time people, man, they are, they are desiring to be heard. They Mm. want to be listened to. They want to be seen. And sometimes it's just seeing that like, man, I know something's off and I'm here, you know? So those are my thoughts. Let's, let's, let's kind of wrap this a little bit by maybe creating a couple of punch lists. And I know I didn't ask you to be ready for this, but I got got confidence. You're going to do a great job. And I want it to be like a uh, do this and don't do that. So we got these sales leaders. One of the things that they like about our show Mm-hmm. is we try hard to turn it into some like actionable things. And I think this has been a really, really fantastic conversation. What would you say, if I were to say for our, these people that are listening to you right now, are there like two or three, I don't know, four things that you'd say, listen, if you want to create an energized work environment, if you want to mm-hmm. create a team of energized salespeople, do these things. Is there like two or three things that are top of mind that you should start doing these things immediately? Um. Yeah. So I think I would do that self audit first so that you had a better understanding of where kind of you are. I would also lead others in that same conversation. So that would kind of that self audit, that time audit, that energy audit, you know, what are the things that really help me? Because then you can really work within your con like within your construct to figure out how you can maximize people's talents for the good of the org. So I would say that would be really helpful. The second thing Oh, Can I ask okay. a question on that? Sure, before you go yeah. To something? Yeah. I, I don't want to forget it. Yeah. I, I want to make sure I, I clarify one thing. You wouldn't, would you, would you recommend doing this in a group setting or is this an individualized one-on-one conversation? 
you know, it depends on how safe you've made the group. Okay. So I can tell you when I took over, like, you know, when I've taken over teams, not right away, I, I couldn't do that right away with my leadership team. I would have had to do this one-on-one, but as I, I grew to know them, as they grew to trust me and as the safety in our space was much deeper, we could have very um, straightforward and safe com- conversations and hash out pretty hard things. Um, I absolutely think you could do this um, in a group setting if you have, if you have foundationally made it safe. Okay. Cause I know we're gonna have people saying, Oh, I can knock these all out in one meeting instead of individuals. And I got to think at least the first time you probably want to make that a personal private mm-hmm. conversation. I would imagine. Yeah, I, I, I probably would too. Yeah. Okay. Now go to number two. I interrupted you, but I wanted to clarify that. The other thing I would do is I would audit the language that we use. I'm a big believer in, Ooh, like um, that. in that language um, is generative and we're creating things from all of the things that we're saying. And so when we are thinking about things and, and I'm not just talking about like false positivity or being like, you know, Pollyanna about everything, but when we are creating something together, it is important that we are speaking the language of whatever that energetic kind of movement is. So if we're talking about possibility, if we're talking about like, we're going to do things that we haven't done before, but it's safe and we're going to test and we are going to try things. And um, it's not all about just, you know, these results and this kind of dominating feeling it's different. And I think that what happens is sometimes we squash, you know, some of that energy that's going on because we're just trying to control. And so, uh, but a lot of that comes from what we're saying and how we're saying it and how we're communicating. So I believe that a lot of what we're creating in possibility and space and kind of energy around the team is around our language. So I would take a, a, a second look at it and, um, and I, would, I would audit that too. I love that. Those are two things that everybody can do immediately. We, we're dang near out of time. And I want to finish what I finished, mm-hmm. but I want to get the flip side. Is there one or two things that if you're doing, stop doing immediately? Because sometimes just getting out of reverse and getting into neutral mm-hmm. is improvement, right? Yeah. Um, Stop assuming that everybody is going to have that same reaction to you, you know, in that motivating or inspiring or energy, all of those things, like stop assuming everybody's the same. Because just because we have a lot of salespeople that tend to be, you know, DI on the disc assessment doesn't mean that we're the same. And definitely people are motivated differently and have different responses. Beautiful. Okay. This was amazing. Three, we're going rapid fire, three questions, fast, top of mind responses. We'll get, we'll get out of here. Christine, before we go, thank you. You're, you're just fantastic. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I've, I've had a great time. All right. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge that you see right now. And how do you see people beating it? Okay. Uh, Coaching. It's what we talked about. So make okay. time for coaching, whether that is call coaching, whether that is deep diving, whether that is spending time with your people. Stop, put, stop doing 50 other meetings when you really need to be spending time with your people. I love it. You're speaking. That's my version of dirty talk. So thank you for bringing that one up. I love that. Okay. <laughs> um, that I, I, that's that's my, one of my favorite topics. So amen, amen, and amen. Number two, and this is one you'll, you'll have a really interesting insight to given what you do for a living now. Uh, when, when you're interviewing for people or helping build a team, is there like a go-to concept or question that you use? And what are you looking for when, when, you, when you leverage that? Well, I think the concept is really what we've been talking about through this, which is allow them to feel it, allow them to feel the role. And, and you want them to 
probably even more than you to self-select in or out based on what they know. So it's our job to create um, the environment that lets them feel this job. Beautiful. I'm not surprised you said that. I kind of thought that's where we go. <laughs> and I love that. Last one, we found that leaders are readers and the, and the ones that never stop uh, learning are the ones that never stop growing and achieving. Is there something that you would suggest that they get a hold of, whether it's a book or an audible, or even if it's a podcast or a blog that's been helpful for you that might help some of our leaders in their uh, advancement in their careers? You know, the book that I, I referenced it earlier and really is about that conversation around our language is called Language in the Pursuit of Happiness. And it's by Chalmers Brothers. And it's about being a better, you know, a better observer of who we are and also creating things and generative language that also creates outcomes that we're looking for. So I think it's a little different. It's not like your standard sales book, but I'll tell you, the better the communicator, <laughs> the better, like the better the results, the better everything goes. Like this life is communicating. So Amen. yeah, th- that's my, that's my book. Okay. I, that's a great way to finish. She's Christine Rogers. She's president of Aspireship. She is helping organizations around the world build and maintain a highly energized workflow forces that do amazing things and take what the market gives and then some. Christine, how do people get more of you? How do they continue the conversation? How do they connect? How do they get to be as lucky as me and see the content that you've been sharing? How do they get that? First of all, LinkedIn, I am there all the time. And that's how Rob and I met when he was like, whoa, that was a fiery post. We got to yes. talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I bring a little there. And also aspireship.com. Uh, we blog, we do different things there. And you can always find us there. All right, Christine, thanks so much. Thank you for bringing up this topic that I think is so important that we never talked about. Uh, I wish you nothing but more awesomeness continued success. And I cannot wait to continue to follow you in your journey. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thank you. Hey everyone. And welcome to another, so what portion of the sales leadership podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first this podcast is brought to you by the Jepson performance group. Sales leadership is more important now than in any other time in the previous 10 years. So much has changed. Brand new sales leaders, the most experienced sales leaders, and everyone in between. We have all had to take a closer look at how we lead our teams, how we connect, how we correct, how we engage, and every part of the job has had to be rethought. Companies have spent billions on sales training, sales tools, and sales processes, but those same companies have left their leaders on their own to figure out what leadership models need to look like. And right now, more than any other time, you need to know that you're not on your own. So if you want a colleague to help you take things up a level, reach out to me. I'm helping sales leaders around the world create elite sales leadership systems. And I have a lot of options to help. First place you should check out is my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. I have exclusive content around sales leadership curriculum, a private podcast that you'll love if you like this one, and sales meeting materials you can use in your very next sales meeting. For the cost of lunch, it is a fantastic place to start. Check it out and let me know what you think. And executive coaching is growing ridiculously fast. It is absolutely the new perk. I'm helping leaders create impact faster and avoid mistakes that too many make. Now, if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a really great time to give it a try. Hit me up and we can talk about what it looks like. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline invest in themselves. Save your most precious resource, time. 
Let me help you add some method to the sales leadership madness, navigate the sales leadership maze faster than you thought possible, and avoid the expensive mistakes that you don't need to make. Now, how great was Christine? I love everything about her. Her energy, her enthusiasm, her insights. Just speaking with her fires me up. And I'm so grateful we had her on our show today. I love the very first question that she asked. She asked, how do I create environments where people are energized and I, meaning the leader, can feel that energy that they have? You know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. that. That's a question that you should think about as well. You should take some time and really evaluate what the catalysts for that are in your organization and in your market. And the reason I think it's so important is I'm a believer that sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. The first sale that has to happen must happen in the heart of the salesperson. And you can't fake it till you make it. This is something that you've got to really have be authentic because very, very quickly, customers and prospects and those we work with see through that if it's not right. Um, And that's why I really like how Christine kept pointing to co-creating. I'm this huge believer in the done with you approach. Too many try to do the done for you or worse, the do it yourself approach. Take a minute this week and think through the way you equip your salespeople to be successful. Which approach have you taken? The done with you approach, that's all about co-creating, right? It gets you off of the pedestal. It, It makes it so you're no longer that armchair quarterback. It has you rolling up your sleeves and applying frameworks that provide consistency, but then allow individuality to tailor exactly how they leverage these frameworks to their own unique set of skills and interests. Listen, I'm, I'm a huge fan of frameworks. I, I, I have four frameworks that every sales leader probably should be using. Um, and the reason I like frameworks is it allows you to meet people where they are. And this is a big deal because the concept of co-creation with each rep That creates energy in every part of their job. So you should think about that as you're thinking about your one-on-ones and you're thinking about how you engage with your reps and how you're you're working with them. How do you co-create? So so let's let's finish that sentence a few different ways. How do you co-create what they aspire to? How do you co-create how they plan their pathway to achieving those aspirations? How do you co-create with the people on your team to develop a done-with-you approach to everything they do? How do you co-create the best way to engage a target account? How do you co-create the best way to follow up for this person that you're working with? And do it over and over and over. Now, if you get this right, you're going to start to see that impact that authentic energy creates with a client or a prospect. Um, You know, in order, I'm trying to remember who I heard say it. I think it was Alex Rodriguez. Uh, I saw him say this in in something recently. Uh, He's a famous baseball player for the Yankees. And when he was in a slump, his coach, Joe Torre, told him, if you want to play big, start by playing small. So if you want to accomplish big things, think about the small things first. And and he talks about how that led to a massive uh, turnaround for him as he started to look very small things. And it's, it's not saying that we don't think big. It's saying that it comes down to small things in execution. And so your energy is going to come when people feel like they have had ownership And they've been an architect in in where they're going and how they get there. And I believe that, that if you can help people start getting a lot of little things right, one and two degree changes, tweaking, 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 uh, small changes over and over, before you know it, 
you have this massive, massive level of success coming from unexpected places. And that's why I believe energy is so contagious and that we as leaders need to have that very real energy that Christine talked about that she said you can only feel. I loved how she said that you don't hear it and you don't see it, but it's something that you feel. It reminded me of one of my very favorite quotes from Emerson. Probably heard it. Nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. Listen, our job as sales leaders is a hard one. And our job as salespeople is a hard one. And we will not be able to be elite unless we have very real and very authentic energy that comes from enthusiasm. So take some time this week to follow Christine's blueprint. Do that self-audit that she suggests. I've done it since meeting with her. And I found some really interesting ways that I can make some improvements. And those improvements, they led to some results that were bigger than I expected, faster than I expected. Um, And so I really think you should take some time to do what she suggested. Because if teams are a reflection of their leadership, you need to do everything you can to make sure you have that enthusiasm that creates an energy-filled environment. Every member on your team will be better off as a result if you do. So, Christine, my new friend, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate you joining us and sharing your blueprint for how to create that difference-making energy. This was a really important episode, and I hope you see your team's energy and enthusiasm grow as you embrace the principle of co-creation that Christine shared. There are so many great lessons that came in this conversation that we had today. Christine, I appreciate you. And I encourage all of our listeners to connect with her. Reach out to her. She's a great person to know. I'm so grateful for her speaking with each of us today. So follow her, what she said, and and just reach out on LinkedIn and connect with her. Because you will be glad to get the content that she throws down. Because there is some great stuff that that she's bringing out. Most of all, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow, and I can't thank you enough for the support and the shares. If you like today's show, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star review, as this is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. So here's to energy, here's to enthusiasm, and here's to co-creation. This week, make sure you block out some time to dig into these concepts. With all the adapting we've had to do, let's not adapt ourselves out of what we're passionate about. I wish you all a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.